is here this morning. How many love Jesus? Can I get an amen? Amen. So thankful for the worship team. They did an amazing job. Also, the preaching that went on last week. Thank you, sir. I know it was done by Jackie in the first, uh, Jerry in the second. Let's give it up for them. They did an amazing job. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're going to be talking part two today about abide. Everyone say abide. Thank you. Part two, John 15, abide. Jesus speaking here, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit or that bears no fruit. While every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain or abide. Somebody say abide. Thank you. I prefer the word abide, even though we're reading now the uh, NIV. The King James is abide, so I'll be saying the word abide from this point forward. Abide in me as I also abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. Whither such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now notice this in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Just think about how much the Father loved Jesus. That's how much Jesus loves us. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, and to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants but uh, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have, been, I have made known to you. Now these last verses here, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Everybody say love. Now this is a very important part of our passage today, loving God, loving Jesus, abiding in him, going all the way back to the beginning. I spent a lot of time last time I was with you speaking about this passage and how it certainly puts into our mind the fear of God that if we do not abide with Jesus, we're going to be cut off from Jesus. Please put up that illustration. This is something serious that every Christian has to understand. If you do not remain abiding in Jesus, you will be cut off. The Christian life is not guaranteed to you if you do not continue in faith. This is something that I spent a great deal of time uh, dealing with last, last week, and I won't uh, spend uh, last time I was with you, so I won't get into it now. But it's not God's desire to cut us off. It's for us to bear fruit. Everybody say, be fruitful. Thank you, to bear fruit. Now, going back to our passage, I have the scriptures there that you can research this and go back into that past lesson. Also, by God's grace, I've preached an entire sermon series called Abide. So if you have more interest in abiding, and I would also recommend to you the missionary Dick Brogdon's book on Abide as he talks about our relationship with God, abiding in him and facing all kinds of difficulties as he has been a missionary in northern Africa and from that place of abiding in Christ, bearing fruit. 
So that subject is there for you to investigate. But I want you to continue now with me to verse 5, where Jesus now says to them that apart from me you can bear no fruit. Bearing fruit in Jesus is a command. Being a fruitful Christian is the base of starting your Christian life. You are not to come to God with anything less than a desire to be fruitful and to be bountiful for Jesus. To say as a Christian, I just want to come to church, I just want to go to heaven, is really not to be a Christian at all. A true Christian, if you are such a person, will desire to bear fruit in your Christian life and to bless God with the things that you do. Can I hear an amen? Notice that it says in verse 8, this is to my Father's glory or to his reputation, the word glory there, not just meaning shining light and glowing and all, all pretty. It means to the Father's reputation, to how the Father is seen among the earth. This is to, and even in heaven, this is to my Father's glory that you bear some fruit, that you bear just a little bit of fruit, that you don't bear too much fruit so that your neighbor doesn't get jealous. No, what does it say? That you bear what? Much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. You and I are to have so much fruit that the people in our lives can see that we are a disciple of Christ. In other words, if you are not bearing fruit, you are not showing yourself to be a disciple of Christ. The reason why this is so important in our culture today is that people want a Christless Christianity. They want a Christianity without Christ. They want to be a follower of Christ without being a disciple that is disciplined. And then they want to say that they are in the Christian religion or the Christian belief system, but have no fruit to show for it. And the Bible says that that's, there is no such Christian as that. This kind of person is one that the Father cuts off from Jesus and then throws into the fire. Notice this, if you do not, looking at verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Each one of us should take the serious call of being a Christian and abiding in Jesus. Now put up that illustration, please, again, and be encouraged by it as well as being challenged by it. Is this your life? Are you a fruitful Christian for Jesus today? Fruit comes in two different ways, and in our character and in our actions. When we think about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience. How many know those wonderful characteristics? How many of those have the fruit of the Spirit coming out of your life today? If you do not, then you are not being a genuine Christian. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. The Father may be close to snipping you off the vine today. He is the vine, you are the branches. If you do not abide in him and bear fruit, he will cut you off. But what will he do for those that remain in him? Going back to the passage, please. He says he will prune them so that they may be even more fruitful. Go up a few more verses, please. It says here in verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain or abide in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit in of itself. So notice this. It's not something you do just by trying harder. I'm just going to try hard. I'm going to do it in my own energy. No, you do it by abiding in him. That's how you do it. And notice what he does. The father before that, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more what? Fruitful. Somebody say fruitful. Thank you. Going back to that illustration, please, of that picture. That should be our lives. That's the Christian life. 
There is no such thing according to the scripture as a busted and disgusted fruitless Christian. Christians ought to be bearing fruit. If you are not bearing fruit in your character today, I doubt whether you're a true Christian. Even if you're newly saved, there should be fruit budding forth from you. And then the second way that we bear fruit is by our good deeds. The good deeds that we do on behalf of Christ, that we show the world that we are not like them. We are different from the world. Turn with me to 1 John, please, chapter 2. The Bible says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. For the things that are of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father. These are from the world, and the world passes away, but the love of God endures forever. Can I hear an amen? The Bible teaches us that we are to reject the things of the world. That is 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Didn't I just quote this to you? Come on, it's good to look at it again. It comes not from the Father, but from the world. But the world, uh, the world and its desire passes away. But whoever, notice, does the will of God lives forever. There is a doing in Christianity. There is a doing in Christianity. Some people are out there doing a whole lot of stuff, but it's do, 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 and it stinks like do, do. We are to do the will of God. That's what we're to do as Christians. We are not like the world. We have a morality that is different than the world, and we have behavioral patterns and actions and habits that the world does not have. We are Christ followers. Can I hear an amen? Just go up a few more verses into verse 6 of that same chapter. Or just even just uh, up to verse 3 to put it into context. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his what? His commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete or perfect in that person. Now this is how we know that we are in him. For whoever claims to live in him, abide in him, must live as Jesus lived. So we keep the commands of God. We read our Bibles. We study our scriptures to know those commands. If you were to take all the commands of the scriptures... There's probably over about 600, just as many as there are in the Old Testament. There's about 613 laws. Some have counted as much as 1,000 New Testament laws. But before you get nervous, they're summarized in loving God and loving people. And then when you take all of those statements of command and find the ones that are similar, combine them together in my studies, I have found somewhere around 100. And some of them are as basic as don't murder somebody. How many agree with that's a good command? Not lying, all those Ten Commandments are relevant there, right? Honoring the Lord, putting Him first. And then there's other commands. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and 4, learning about how to treat one another, how to speak with our words, how to guard our heart from perversion. You can also see this same kind of list from Paul in uh, Galatians chapter 5 right before the, the fruit of the Spirit. So if you want to see the characters of, uh, the characteristic of God and the commands of God, you can see that in Galatians. But looking at Ephesians chapter 4, rather, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, it says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. The Gentiles are the nations that did not know God. 
Now that we are Christians, we are adopted into the Jewish nation. How many are glad today you can come into the Jewish nation through Jesus Christ? Because that's the only nation that's going to be surviving after Armageddon. And from Jerusalem, we'll rule and reign with Christ. So do not live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance or stupidity that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They don't know what they don't know, and they act like they do when you meet them, but they're ignorant. They're foolish. Do not be like them. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. How many can say an amen to that? That's what the world looks like. That's what you and I were like before Christ. Now look at what verse 20 says. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Look at at your neighbor and say, I put on a new self. Say, I'm like Jesus. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, I'm like God. That's what it says. You were created in a new self to be like God. Hallelujah. Godly means God-like. I'm not like Thor. I'm like Jesus. Amen. I'm godly. Hallelujah. That's what it means. Now, therefore, do all of these wonderful things. These things are not things that you and I should be intimidated by. They should be the blessings of our heart. Put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to each other since you're members of the same body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Do not give a foothold to the devil. Anyone who's stealing must steal no longer. These are beautiful commands. How many want to follow all of these? Amen. Verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. And that counts if you say it against your pastor as well. Amen. Get rid of all brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as Christ in, in Christ God forgave you. Keep on going to the chapter 5. What does he say in verse 3 there? But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. That's why if you're near the, in this church and you're shacking up, we ask you either to say you're not a Christian and you're learning about Christ or to get out of that relationship or get out of the church. We're not being hypocrites in this church. And if you say that offends you and that bothers you, there's 10 other churches that will let you be an adulterer or Christian down the road. We're not looking for adultering Christians. We're not looking for lying Christians. We're not looking for backslidden Christians. We're looking for Christians that want to hold the word of God and live by it. Amen? And some people say, well, you know, who are you to judge me? I'm not judging you in that sense. I'm just telling you the commands of God. And if I'm not putting up with my sin, I'm not putting up with your sin. Amen? And that's a good church because we love you. And, and, and you know I'm right when I say you can find ten more that disagree with me. So if you still want to go to a church and play make-believe with Jesus, you'll find ten more that will take you just as you are, and they might even let you teach Sunday school. That's not what we're doing here. We're living for God here. 
There are no favorites here. Everyone lives by the commands of God here. You see me, you see my wife, you see my children, you see anyone here not living by the commands of God, you let us know. Everyone is held to the commands of God, not the color of your, your hair or the length of your skirt. We're not falling for the traps of religion of the old time days. We're looking at the black and white of the scripture. We know what obscenity is. We know what foolish talk is. We know what coarse joking is. It's out of place, so get right or get out of this place in Jesus' name. Amen? No one Moral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. We may not be in heaven yet, but this is the closest thing to it. Amen? I said, We may not be in heaven yet, but this is the closest thing to it. Look at your neighbor and say, You're getting a taste of heaven right now. You're getting a taste of what heaven's like, what it's going to be like when you meet them. So sometimes you say, man, the church is full of hypocrites. I'll say amen to you. But listen, you met a real one here. You met a real one here. Last time I threw my phone at this young man, and I said, check it inside and out. You can look at my phone. You can talk to my wife. We live this out here by God's grace. You're meeting real Christians. Christianity used to mean something when you met one. You would, you would stop swearing around them because you knew they didn't swear. Now Christians swear. You knew if you were talking dirty, you wouldn't talk dirty around the Christian. Now they talk dirty with the Christian. You used to understand that if you were shacking up, living together, you wouldn't talk about that in front of your Christian families or friends. But now they boast in and say, I still go to church and sing in the choir. That's not what we do. We are Christ-like here. We follow Jesus here. We're going to heaven with him whether you come or not. We're abiding in a vine, and we're bearing fruit. Now, pastor, what happens if I mess up? Are you saying the moment I mess up, i got to quit? No. The moment you mess up, you repent to Jesus Christ, humble yourself, and don't walk in pride. Any sin that I've ever committed in front of you or in this church while being your pastor, I have repented by the grace of Jesus Christ in humility. I am not proud of that. I said, are you listening to me? I'm not proud of that. In other words, if you brought it to my attention, well, Joe, I heard you lusted at this time, or Joe, I heard you sinned in your anger, or Joe, I heard you did X, Y, and Z, I will say I'm ashamed of that, I repent of that, and I'm accountable to not do that again among other people here. In other words, there's no excuses here. There, there, there's no covering up of it here. If I sinned, I sinned, and I'm sorry that I sinned. I am not proud of my sin. My sins are nightmares, not fantasies. I don't want to go back to it. I don't want to live in it. Even if it made me look cool, me getting mad in, it, in my anger or doing something out of anger, or even if it gave me temporary pleasure being impure, I want nothing to do with sin. Is that your heart? Because that's what Christ is looking for. Now listen to the seriousness of this in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, empty conferences, broke, busted, and disgusted books. Let no one deceive you with empty podcasts. Let no one deceive you with empty memes. Let no one deceive you with empty reels. For because of such things, the things we just mentioned, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. That's why I don't partner with a lot of pastors. Sometimes people make fun of me for that. No, it's because I'm not going to be responsible for the mess you have in your marriage. I'm not going to be responsible for the mess you have in your pulpit. I'm not going to be responsible for the mess that you have because most of these pastors, they want a partnership that benefits them, but they don't want an accountability partner. I've come to be a accountability partners with pastors. If pastors don't want me as their accountability partner, I would rather go make a friend and go wakeboarding today. 
if we could get the weather right in Jesus' name. Somebody talk to the angel over Chicago to fix the thermostat. What is going on? Help us, Jesus. Would you tell that angel what we're supposed to be having right now? I didn't think we were supposed to go from 80 to 30 degrees snow. But I'll tell you what, man, I'm being honest with you. I'd rather hang out with a sinner that knows they're a sinner, cusses like a sinner, drinks like a sinner, and know that I'm reaching them than to pray around with a hypocritical Christian. I don't have time for people that want to play hypocrite Christian. I don't have time for I don't play fake. This is who I am. This is what I do. Obviously, I'm not always holding the mic being theatrical. I know there's a song and dance we do up here. I don't do this when we hang out on our, in our back porch. But I'm telling you, I'm just as real then as I am right now. I'm just giving to you a presentation. What we do on Sunday morning when we preach like this as preachers, I'm giving you a presentation. Because if I talk to you like we did at the porch, it would get boring. I'd only be able to keep your attention for five minutes. So preachers, we raise our voices. We shout. We use inflection. We wave our Bibles around. We pound the pulpit. But it is for a purpose. It is so that you don't get bored in this service and that the Spirit will convict your heart and you'll see how passionate I am and that something will move you to want to do the same. So don't get it twisted. Just because I don't have church 24 hours a day and I'm not always shouting like this, don't get it twisted. I live like this. From morning till noon to night, I live like this. How many live like this? How many live like a Christian? How many are partnered up with Jesus today? How many are going to heaven with him, amen, and taking as many as you can? We came to plunder hell and populate heaven. This is Christianity. Please put up that illustration because I'm abiding in Jesus Christ today, and I'm going to bear fruit, hallelujah, for the whole world to see the great reputation of my God and Father in the name of Jesus Christ. I can't control what's happening in this environment. I don't know the next stupid thing that's going to come down our city, whether they're going to riot again, whether they're going to jump on a car. I can't control any of this. But I'll tell you what I can control. I'm going to be abiding in Jesus Christ, bearing forth the fruit of a Christian. And if you see me getting beaten, drugged down the street, at least you know I tried. Stop in the name of, well, I tried. I'm being honest with you. My hero, Timothy, the book named after him, First and Second Timothy, was preaching in those conditions, and they beat and drug him to death throughout the city he was in. I'm ready to die for Jesus. I don't want to. I want to stay around for a while, but this is what I'm going to do if I die. I'm going to be bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. You can be as nasty as you want to be. You can be as violent as you want. You can be as crazy as you want. You can think you're a man trapped in a woman's body. You can do all that you want. This is what I decided to do. This is where I drew the line. This is where I made a decision, though none may follow. I'm abiding in Jesus. I can imagine somebody at the bar last night, maybe I came to their mind in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they said, hey, man, have you heard, heard from Joe lately? Have you heard anything about him? This is what I wish that friend would say back to him. He's abiding in Jesus. He became a Christian. He left your sorry behind behind and went to follow Jesus. Married six children, pastoring. I want them to say the same thing about little sweet you. Oh, where's little sweet so-and-so? Oh, she's following Jesus. She's out there preaching the gospel. She's married. She's doing things right according to God's word. Let them say this of us. Now, they may say we're fruity. They may not think we're normal. They may think we're weird. But listen, I'd rather be a fruit, not in a flake for Jesus, than to be the kind of crazy they are. You understand? 
They can call me crazy, but hey, at least I think I came from God, the creation, not from the goo to the zoo to you. At least I believe that life has value, and I don't kill my own children in the womb. Hello, somebody. You can think I'm crazy. I think you're crazy. We'll figure it out when we get to judgment day, but I can give you some hints along the way that you're probably the real one that's crazy. Amen? I know what woman body parts are for. I know what man body parts are for. I understand why God gave us a brain and how to use it. It wasn't just so we could take fun trips to Mars. It was so that we could end poverty and build schools and hospitals. These are the things that Christians have been known for. That's why, that's why you don't go down the road to, to you know, St. Stalin's Hospital. It's always a saint hospital, isn't it? That's from Christians. You don't go to the Buddhist clinic, do you? You go to St. Mary's Clinic because we did something in this world. Are you listening to me? And we haven't always done it right, and those who did it wrong go to the same hell as the sinner. But you better get it right because Jesus Christ said, this is what Christianity is like. Going to our notes, please. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Remain in me, I remain in you. Keep my words in you, and you'll bear much fruit. You'll get pruned along the way, but it will be worth it because you'll bear so much fruit, it will bring glory to my Father. Now, scrolling down, please. Keep scrolling down here to the context that we have to get to. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. There are no greater words in the scripture than these kinds of phrases right here. You cannot put them on a scale to see their depth. You have to let them set in your heart. And they will transform the way you see yourself and see the world. Self-love is a sin without understanding the self through God's eyes. But loving neighbor as self is a divine command. And you must understand how much you are loved today. John 3.16 comes before this. Understand this, that as much as the Father loved and has loved Jesus is as much as Jesus loves you. That's what makes it worth it. That's what, that's what allows us to face what we go through is the love of God. I'm not just trying to be hype here today. I do this as a Christian brother and sister because Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible has told me so. There is no other emotional grounding for the well-being of your life than knowing that as much as the Father loved Jesus is as much as he loves you. I can't think of anything to ground and anchor your soul more than to, to have that thought be your meditation. Just imagine the closest person you love cheating on you. You know, marriage is falling apart. Imagine your children's uh, betraying you and stealing from you. I know we have so many beautiful families here. Imagine that little one that you love right now so much being the cause of so much pain in your life. Imagine, come on, that people you love and trust hurting you and your whole world is spinning. You do, your compass is broken. You don't have an anchor. You're lost in the emotional sea of the pain of this life. How does a soul find its bearing, its true north again? You can't just say, well, I came from evolution. That doesn't help you. That makes it worse, doesn't it? Because now I'm just meaningless. I'm no different than the ant that's here and gone. My life will be here and gone. No one will miss me. A thousand years from now, no one will care that I was even here or alive. 
You can't think to yourself about your accomplishments because you don't have a U-Haul following you on the day of your death. The day you die, you leave it all here. Apple was left to the next guy in line. Steve Jobs didn't take it with him. Can't take your books. You can't take your awards, your accolades. What is the thing that can ground a soul in the topsy-turviness of life? This statement right here. Jesus loves me as much as the Father loves him. My wife may not have loved me. My husband may not have loved me. My children may not have loved me. My family may not have loved me. My job may not have loved me. My culture may not. My, my friends, all of these people may have left me. But I am loved to the extent and to the greatness that the Father has loved Jesus. Oh, that somebody today going through depression or anxiety or low self-worth would try to plumb the depths, the heights, the width, and the breadth of of the love of God, that we would find ourselves anchored in that love. Jesus loves me. I'm not an accident. He watches over me. He counts the hairs on my head. He knows my thoughts before I think them. He is in front and he is behind. There is no place I can go from his spirit. Under his wings I take my home and make my abode. My God is with me. My God is close to me. My God hears me. There was once a video that uh, came out by Metallica, and it had in there, you know, I think it was called One, and it had a Vietnam veteran or a war veteran that had lost all capability of moving, had lost all ability to move around, and he was stuck inside of his head, and it was sung like a rock and roll song. Imagine the torment of being stuck inside your head, not being able to move or be able to communicate. But how many know, as long as you can move in your mind a thought, your thoughts can be on Jesus, and you can know that you're precious in his sight no matter if anyone else can hear you and you're lost in your head somebody should make a song out of that Andrew you know the song is it one yeah go ahead and put up the music video just in the background that old school let people see the torment of life without God as they think to themselves what if I became paralyzed and I couldn't speak and I'm stuck in my head the worst fears that man can come up with what would you be thinking about in that hotel or a hospital room Lawrence Oh, Jesus, you love me. You're closer to me than the air that I breathe. Even though I can't form words right now, just as when I was in my mother's womb, you're here with me now. And should this body be around for another hundred years and I'm stuck only in my head with not being able to communicate with anybody, I can communicate with you. There is no one like our Jesus. The language of the Spirit is the language of love communicated through thought. As long as you're thinking, as long as you're meditating, as long as you are able to contemplate things, God's love will be right there reminding you that you are loved, you are cared for. We're not finding the video. Let's move on to the next thing. Or did you find it? Yeah, put this up right here. Yeah, put this up, this scary thought right here. And I want to ask you a question. What would the world do in this situation? Go ahead and make it full screen for me, please. And just, yeah, get along here with this guy and pause it. I think I described it. Let's go up a little bit more. I think I described it pretty good, didn't I? Stuck in a coma. No one can hear you except your own thoughts. I don't know where the person lays down, but I want to ask you a question. In your life, what would you do if that's the or good, my brother? Thank you. Where would you go on a day like that? where there's nothing else to comfort you? There's no family member. There's no friend. Where would you go when your heart, brothers and sisters, 
I would go to my secret place. I would trust the Lord that he's with me and he can never abandon me nor forsake me. Why? Because he promised that he would never do it. In other words, it doesn't matter what life's tragedy I face, what problems come along my ways, I'm with my Jesus. Now going on from there, he says, if you keep my commands, then you will remain in my love. And we've discussed that, that these commands are a part of the Christian's life, just as he kept his father's commands. Now notice this in verse 13, because this is where the rubber meets the road. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one life for their friends. What did Jesus Christ do for us? He laid down his life for us, did he not? With the keyboardist, please come up, because I want to end today without head knowledge, but experiential knowledge. I want us to end today experiencing this. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Think about that. No greater love has someone than this than to lay down their life for their friends. No greater love. And what does Jesus do for us? He lays down his life. Do you know anyone like that today, my friend? Think about that. We just had the Easter season pass us. Do you know of anyone that would lay down their life for their enemy, let alone their friend? Now notice this. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. This is why I get so intense when I preach. Because to me, how can I watch him lay down his life and now not want to be his friend? Could you imagine just even smaller just examples of that? Someone paying off your debt and you not wanting to pay the respect to get to know them. Someone, you know, donating a liver to you or a kidney rather. Someone donating something to you and not want to get to know them. Jesus said... I'm giving my all right here. I'm laying the whole thing down. Everything that people value, I'm giving to you. I'm laying it down. Now, do you want to be my friend? How much do you think it breaks the heart of God when they reject his friendship? When people follow their own ways, break his commands? What do you think it does to the heart of God when we don't honor him in our marriage? Children, not obeying your parents. When we don't put his commands as the, the delight of our heart, when we mock him, we take his name in vain. That breaks the heart of God. He says, I will no longer call you servants. I don't know about you, I would be happy just being a servant to someone like him. Whenever we watch these movies together as a family, you know, Cinderella, whatever, and there's the prince or the knight or the good guy, you know, I always think to myself, you know, that's what I want my, my daughters to have. I want them to have that kind of man, that kind of person that lays down their life for them, that stands up for justice, that fights the good fight. 
And then I think to myself, I want a man like that too. <laughs> but, I, but I'm not a homosexual with same-sex attraction. If you are, God can help you with that. But I, but I go, uh, that kind of sounds good to me. I would like someone to fight for me. I want someone to lay down their life for me. I, I want to know I'm protected. I still get scared when something bumps in the middle of the night when I'm home alone. Kids are out doing stuff. Wife's out doing some, some noise in the house. I wish some, some, some dude was with me to help me feel safe right now. Just being honest, and every man will tell you that, man. We face our own fears, don't we, men? No matter how strong we are. So we all need this. But, I, but I'm telling you, I would be happy just being his servant. Just being his servant, just knowing that, man, he took care of me. He provided for me. He loved me. He laid down his life for me. And, man, I, I'm, serving, I, I'm serving you. You're my king. Deal. Deal. We work for bosses right now for much less. Can I hear an amen? We do a lot less for our kids. Uh, we, we, we have had kings and presidents and mayors, and we serve them, and they've done so much less. And yet, listen to what he says. I'm not just calling you that anymore. That's not how I see you, because you don't, if you're a servant, you won't know my business. But I'm letting you into my, my heart. I'm letting you into the inner circle. He's, he's letting the disciples know what his whole mission is and where he came from and what he's about. And he's going to get into so much depth with the Holy Spirit here in just a few moments as we, you know, continue on in the next few weeks and all of these wonderful passages about what the big picture of life is all about. And there's mansions there for us. And so he invites us in to stop thinking of ourselves as outsiders, but thinking as friends. And he says, indeed, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my Father I have made known to you. Think about that. That means there's nothing that the Father was telling him that he didn't tell us. So if, if, if we didn't hear more about angels and, and all of these other things that we think about heaven, if we didn't hear that from Jesus, it was because the Father didn't want us to know. It wasn't our time to know. But what Jesus did tell us, we were supposed to know. Now think about this lastly here. Come on. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever, and highlight whatever, please, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. He told us, you're getting the Amex black. You're getting a card without limits. Prayer will be an access for you to talk to me, and whatever you need will be provided for you. And so often we say, well, I, I don't see that. I prayed for a Lamborghini, and it hasn't happened yet, Jesus. I've prayed for It's because we don't know how to pray. We're not praying like he taught us to pray. We're not praying for the kingdom to come. We're not praying for the gospel to be preached. We're praying for what we want instead of what he wants, and that's why we're not seeing it. And so I think about him saying to me, Joe, I don't want you to just be my servant. I want you to be my friend. I'm going to tell you my business, and I'm going to appoint you. I'm going to choose you to take my Amex black, to take prayer, and to go into the world and ask me to change it. 
And today, my brothers and sisters, I'm seeing God do that. I'm seeing today lives changed. I'm seeing today babies saved at abortion clinics. I'm seeing homes be filled up with Bible studies where there used to be parties. Come on. I'm seeing people come out of the communities. I used to teach them that whatever their perverseness was, it could be, you know, accepted. And they're repenting of that. I'm seeing high schools, uh, high school students and young people coming to Jesus. I'm seeing preachers filling up city blocks, announcing to this city about Jesus. I'm seeing people travel over an hour just to come hear the word of the Lord as it speaks to them in this house. I'm seeing what God is doing. And brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, have you asked God for those things to happen? Because I can't be the only one here. I can't be the only one seeing myself as important to God. You have to see yourself just as important. You have to see your role just as important. You have to see your calling, sister, just as important. Because when I'm done preaching here, you have to go out there. And I can't be where you are and you can't be where I am. But you need to be there asking God for the fruit that he has for your life to be manifested wherever you call there. And wherever we go to work and wherever we go with our family, we have to show them this. In closing, would you please put up that illustration? This is my command. He said, love one another because when we do this, when we live like this, this is what we're like. And I don't know about you, but there's something beautiful about fruit in our world. The colors of the fruit. The vibrancy of it. The freshness of it. I take walks in my neighborhood, and this guy has an apple tree right by him at the sidewalk. And when that apple goes into bloom, or the apple tree goes into bloom, and that, that, that fruit gets there, man, I just want to grab it and eat it. And, and, and actually, one time I saw him there, and I said, man, you know, can I have one of these? And it was the coolest thing. And he was like, yeah, you can have one. And I just took it right off the tree, started eating, and kept walking. I was like, thank you. You ever think about how beautiful fruit is? It's like the candy of the earth. Strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, all of these wonderful things. Even a banana was like just made perfectly to fit into your hand and it peels itself. The wrapper's biodegradable. Are you listening to me? Like this is beautiful, man. The same thing here, man. The fruit coming from the vineyard, you know how beautiful this is. And we are wondering, you know, what's our purpose in life? Oh, what's my purpose? Oh, I don't know what my your purpose is to be this. Your purpose is to be beautiful for God. Your, your purpose is to be this close to Jesus that you can face whatever troubles and trials you go through because he's got your back. And you are to be going through that fruitful. You are to be facing those situations with so much fruit and abundance that when people see your life, they are attracted to you like I am to my neighbor's apple tree. <laughs> can, I, can I have a... Daryl, can I have a piece of that? Now listen, Catherine, I don't mean anything ungodly here. I'm just saying people around him are going to want a piece of Daryl. Can, can I have a piece of what's going on in your life? That's what Christianity should look like. It should look like you going around like the most attractive thing this world has ever seen. 
One lesbian told her story about how she wasn't raised in the church and how she felt that, you know, it was good to do whatever her heart led her to do and she had all of these same-sex attractions and so she acted on them, got into a serious relationship with a woman and she was a feminist and she supported all of these things and that's what she did. But one person in her life began to minister to her, to preach to her and introduced her to her pastor. And this is what she says, and it sticks in my heart, that when she went to the pastor's house, she said she had been in a lot of houses, a lot of meetings, a lot of gatherings, a lot of groups. But when she went to the pastor's Bible study, when she went to the pastor's house, when she sat at his couch with his wife and family, there was so much fruit there that she knew something was different. The environment wasn't the same. There was a smell in the air, a freshness. There was a taste of something sweet. There was a love that was coming forth from those people that wasn't able to be replicated in the world that she was in. And it was one of the things that drew her to Christianity. If this is what Christianity is, more than the debates, more than the, the, the depth of the theology, which she now has learned and she's good at it, but she says if this is what it is at its core, one an- loving one another, love for God as God has given love and abiding in the presence of the Lord and obeying those commands from the sweetness and humility of the heart, not out of demand because you have to, but because you want to. She said, that's what I want to surrender my life to. In other words, everyone is longing for this fruit. Everyone wants this. This is what they're protesting for. This is what they're joining gangs for. This is what they're vaping for. This is what they're going to the clubs for. This is at its core what they want. And we're praying, God, give it to them. God, give it to them. But the answer to that prayer is supposed to be your life and mine. That's the prayer we're supposed to be asking that he says you get answered every time. So, Lord, make me more fruitful. You got it. Lord, make me more obedient to your commands. You got it. Lord, make my life wherever it goes, from baseball practice to running a construction site to teaching in a school to being on the job. Lord, make my life fruitful. He says, you got it. And he says, it's going to be to my Father's glory. We should not make the excuse just because they don't like the commands of God and they don't like us because we preach those commands. We should not make the excuse that there's nothing likable about us. I want that woman that was juking in front of me yesterday at the abortion clinic showing me how nasty she could be. I want her to go home tonight or have gone home last night and to wake up this morning saying, that preacher loved me when I acted a fool in front of him. If I would have did that at a Black Lives Matter protest, juked and mocked them, that probably wouldn't have gone the same way. If I did that in front of my boss, I would be fired. If I did that in front of the mayor, I would look like an idiot. But that pastor looked right at me and said he still loves me. I want her to go home and think about that. I want the love of Jesus to start permeating their hearts. 
We threatened to burn down their building. We said in, in Belmont and Craig and Facebook post to 5,000 residents that they're going to kill grandma, and yet they still open up their church for our children to come for free to get all that they have to offer for back to school or supplies or, or to have a good time in the back parking lot during Halloween where it's safe and a woman's not getting carjacked and murdered down the road. They still love us? Yeah, that's what I want them to think about today. By God's grace, we're going to be going to the pornography convention at Rosemont. Please come if you can guard your heart and be appropriate. But we have one of the largest... Uh, conventions of pornography in Chicago every year and sadly I have to see those billboards every year as it comes up the seduction of it and I said to TJ last year and he dropped the ball we need to go there and I forgive him and love him I drop balls too but this year it wasn't going to get dropped and I said brother are you ready to go with me can we get a team and we'll be going after church meet us here at 2 but listen to me when I meet them and I look into their eyes, and I have to explain to them probably what's obvious, though it may not be, I don't know, that immorality is a sin to our God, and that perversion should not be named among us, and nothing filthy, let alone should be in our videos, let alone come even out of our mouth. You know, as I remind this to them, this is what I want them to know. Those Christians loved me enough to come out here today. They're not just talking about me from the pulpit. They loved me enough to come stand out here today. That's what I used to say when I would go out to Bourbon Street in the French Quarter and deal with the witches and the witchcraft. And I said, even if you don't think that I love you, does me showing up here at least show you that I'm trying to love you? That there's something different about me? Because, you know, I met this one pastor, and we, you know, we're at a conference, and we were at lunch together, or dinner rather, and while we were at dinner, I told him my ministry, and this is what he said to me. Oh, yeah, I, I go to the French Quarter, and I go right down the Bourbon Street to Acme Oysters. That's the best oyster joint in town. But when I walk by the, the psychics, I speak in tongues and say, I rebuke you, devil. And I said to myself, yeah, you're the idiot they're talking to me about. <laughs> Yeah, they think you're an idiot when you do that. So I would say to them, do you at least understand I'm not that? That I'm here next to you. I would wait till their customer had left, said, you have a minute. I don't want to interrupt. Do you have, just a screaming over them, you know. Do you have a minute? Can I talk to you about Jesus? Can I tell you that he loves you? He has a plan for your life. How can I help you? I know many of you are struggling out here. You're doing this for money. They started to tell me, man, I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry. So I started bringing the witches and the tarot card readers food. I would bring them clothes. Some of them were homeless. And one day this young man, he told me, he said, man, if you got a place for me, because I've always told him, man, I got a place for if you want to get off these streets. He said, man, if you got a place for me, man, I'll wrap it up right now and go with you, man. I'm done, man. I came out here to try to make some money. My friends told me New Orleans was the spot to be. I've been couch surfing. I don't have anything, man. This is not what I want to do. I know better. I said, sure, let's go. And that night I brought him home with me. And while we were driving, man, demons started coming out of him. I had to pull over the car, start praying for him. He was, listen to me, he was attracted to the fruit, but... The evil inside of him couldn't even handle being in the same car with me for more than 15 minutes without him manifesting all of his junk. But as it came out and we prayed over him, you could see his life was changed. 
You see, that's how we go into this world. I know we're going to shout. We're going to get excited. We're going to be passionate. But don't confuse Christianity versus the world with the Bears versus the Packers. You Packers fans, nah, 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 you Bears family, you know. This is not the crosstown classic between Cubs and White Sox, and we're going to go fight in the parking lot. Christianity is based on God's love for sinners, and we were all one of them. And if he loved us enough to say, look, man, I'm going to plug you into me, you and I better love them enough to plug them into Jesus. We better not just be casting them all out into hell with our words, and I just wish you all would go to hell. We better go out there and show them we love them. We care for them. That we have something different about us. And yes, at the end of the day, they still may hate us. But as I said before, I want them to think about what was different about us. Because you know that they're watching us. You know they are. They're watching us. What are you Christians going to do now? How are you going to treat us now? Look at how wild we are now. And you know what? I just want to love them more. I was talking to Pastor Troy of, of uh, Raven Team. He actually works in New Orleans. And one time he was crossing the ferry going to go preach during Mardi Gras. And there's always a lot of tourists and just drunk people doing stupid things. And uh, he was preaching on the ferry. You know, it's a big ferry. It crosses the river. And he was preaching the gospel. And he said a man walked right up to him in front of hundreds of people, because these ferries are big, and spit right in his face. And I said, what'd you do, man? <laughs> what'd you do? I'm like, man, you know, I'm like, wonder, what do you do? You know, what do you do when that happens? And he said, he wiped away the spit, and he looked at the man, and he said, you know what? I love you like I loved my children when they would spit up on me, and they didn't know any better. Man, you know that's Jesus. You know that's Jesus. Man, you don't do that without Jesus. He said, man, I still love you. My children spit up on me all the time because they didn't know any better. You don't know what you don't know. You see, we have lives to impact in this world. That fruit is supposed to do something. We're not supposed to be going around like peacocks. We're not supposed to be saying, look at me, you know. Just look at me. I got all this fruit. You know, I'm thinking of that woman, the Tropicana woman with all the fruit on her head and all that. Just look at me. I got all this fruit. No, man. You got to share that. You've got to share that fruit. You've got to share it with your children, fathers. I know Father's Day is coming up. So is Mother's Day. You've got to share it with your children. Your children need to know that when they're home, this is there for them. As much patience as they need, as much love, as, as much understanding, as much teaching and admonition, it's all there for them. But the children can come. And have the fruit. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus to make us fruitful for your kingdom. With every head bowed and eyes closed, would you look at your life right now and ask yourself, am I bearing fruit for the king? If you're not yet a Christian, would you repent of your sins even right now and say, I want to be that. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christ follower. Father, forgive me for I've sinned. Those who are Christians, if you haven't been living right, get the junk out right now. Don't live in contradiction. Don't be a, a hypocrite. And for the rest of us right now, search your heart, search your heart. What is in your life today that's lacking? Let it come forth. What do you desire more of? That's probably a desire from the Spirit. And start to pray over your life right now. I want to be fruitful in my character. I want to be fruitful in my actions. I want to see a world change. I want to love like how I've been loved. A few moments right now, and then we'll get ready to stand up and experience this love together one more time. 
Hallelujah, Jesus loves you. If you're dealing with depression, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. How much does he love you? He loves you as much as the Father loved him. You are loved so much today that you can't even grasp it. I can't. I've been trying to grasp it for almost 30 years. Why do you love me so much, Jesus? Why do you put up with me so much, Jesus? And Jesus always tells me because that's what I do. That's who I am. I am love. I am love. I love you. Come on today. Recognize that love today. Don't run from it. Well, what if this love compels me to be different? It will, but it will be better. What if this love causes me to lose people? It's okay, because the new ones coming along are going to be good. What if it causes me to lose friends and family, those that are closest to me? Hey, trust Jesus. They can even come with you if they choose Jesus. But trust him right now to put him first, because his love is incomparable to even a mother's love, a father's love, a spouse's love. Don't let anybody take you away from this love. Get this love first before you try to put on the mask of the person sitting next to you. Put on your first the mask first for yourself before you try to help anybody else receive. Breathe in deeply right now the love of God. Breathe it in first for yourself right now. Anyone struggling with following Jesus because of friends or family, put on the mask of God's love. And breathe it in today. Breathe in His love. Breathe out His love. Breathe in His love. Breathe out His love. Breathe in. Breathe out. This is a circle of love right now. A few more moments before we stand up and start to worship, and then we'll have prayer workers up here. But I even want my prayer workers right now. Breathe it in. Breathe in deeply. Accept it today. Stop resisting it today. Allow God's love to wash over you today and to begin to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. Every nutrient, everything that you need is in God today. The sun, the S-O-N sun will shine on you today. The breath of the Spirit will go through you. And the Word of God will be the nourishment to your soul. You don't do it of yourself, the Bible says. I'm not going to make myself a better person today. I'm just going to let God have His way. Those grapes aren't struggling to come out today. They're in the vine today. Hallelujah. A few more moments, Father. Check all of our hearts. Give us, oh Lord, a heart steadfast towards you. Lord, draw us to your side and to love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you bless the Lord today as you stand? Band and altar workers, would you come? Here's how we're going to end today's service. We're going to have a time of prayer for any need that you may have, salvation, healing, deliverance, or a blessing that you're needing in your life and you want someone to pray with you, they'll be up here. But I want you before you go, and we'll dismiss out that side door as normal, but before you go, brother and sister, I want you to accept this revelation of love and abiding so that you and I can be fruitful. So before we go, we'll worship a little bit. We'll pray a little bit. I'll dismiss now, but you can stay as long as you want. All that I ask is that you, if you fellowship, you fellowship outside because we have second service folks coming in through the lobby. 
But if you want to stay, you can stay as long as you like. Father, as we get ready to dismiss, even some coming for prayer now, I pray as the band starts to worship and we start to sing and go after you in prayer, I pray we'll never forget how important it is to abide. That, Lord, we're here for a purpose. And that, Lord, you're going to bless us and use us. And it's all going to be for your glory, your reputation. Father, I pray that we'll live up to it now by your grace, by your strength. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Saints, you are dismissed. Thank you for coming. If you would-